This morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord, today we're looking in the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5, we're going to begin reading with verse number 43. Matthew chapter 5 began reading with verse number 43 this morning. The words of Jesus, and Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, it's all right to hate your enemy. But Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those that hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Verse 46 again, Jesus said, if you love those who love you, no big deal. This morning I want to talk about loving the unlovable. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Transform us today, Lord, into the very oracle, the very mouthpiece, the spokesperson of God today. Let us speak the word of the Lord that you'd have to be spoken today. Give us ears on our heart today to hear and receive the word. All for the glory of God we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. If New Bethel actually becomes the grace place. If the grace place becomes more than just a name change for us. If grace actually becomes a major part of our DNA. We will definitely have to learn how to love the unlovable. So I want to talk about that this morning. There are four things that I I want to point out to you today as we try and tackle this subject. Let's begin this morning by talking about the struggle. The struggle, Matthew 5, again, verse 46 and 47. Jesus said, if you love those that love you, what reward have you? Do you not even the tax collectors the same do? If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than than anyone else. James wrote about it and said it like this in the book of James, chapter number 2, and verse number 1. James writes, and he says, Brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. He said, if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and you say to him, hey, hey, you sit here in this prestigious place. On the other hand, you say to the poor man, hey, dude, uh, stand over there. James says, have you not shown partiality? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? 
Do they not blaspheme, blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. You know, some people are easy to love, are they not? They're gracious, they're kind, they're considerate. They obey all of our laws. They play well with others. They possess good morals and good manners. They're quick to say please and thank you. They're quick to say excuse me if they accidentally bump into us or get into our private space. Some people, they're, they're just really easy to love. And then there are other people. Well, to be honest, it's a struggle. Amen. Let, me, let me suggest some people that, that, that it's hard to love. Let me, let me suggest, first of all, that it's hard to love the ungodly. Amen. People who are downright evil and wicked. Don't, don't look at me like that this morning. You struggle too. Uh, oh, oh, the murderer, the murderer who took a life and, and by their action took a, a husband from his wife and a father from his kids. My fir- first thought is, string them up on their heels, man. The adulterer who because of his selfish act totally Destroyed his family. The alcoholic or the dope addict who who cannot function in society. Who totally embarrasses the family. The abuser who who, who takes the dignity from and totally totally humiliates their victim. Or destroying their self-esteem. It's hard to love the ungodly. It's a struggle. It, it's hard to love the uncouth. You know, you know the loudmouth, socially inept, bull in a china closet, rude, crude, vulgar, harsh, unsympathetic, blunt. It's hard to love the unpleasant. Always negative. Always in a bad mood. Always throwing cold water on your latest red hot idea. Never a kind word to say. Critical. Critical of everything and everybody. Can see a problem in every solution. Can negatively change the atmosphere of the room just by walking in. Let me just fess up this morning. The unpleasant are a struggle for me. He suggest it's hard to love the unusual. You know, we tend to be drawn to people that look, act, and think just like we do. 
We tend to make snap judgments of people based on first impression, based on how they look, how they act, how they appear on the surface as we compare them with us. We tend to categorize people. And we have little, a little filing system in our head. And upon meeting somebody, we size them up and we place them in one of our files. <laughs> and only those that are placed in certain files get the opportunity to get close to us. It might be a race file. We might have a blue collar file and a white collar file. Oh, we might have a file for the conservative and a file for the liberal. We definitely have a file for the sooner and the longhorn. Sometimes it's a struggle. It's a struggle for us to love the unusual. Those who appear to be outside of our little box in some particular area. How am I doing so far? You see, if we truly become the grace place, God will send us people in need of grace. And among these people will be the ungodly. Among these people will be the uncouth. All the unpleasant and the unusual. And some of these people will be a struggle. For us to love. And us to receive. And us to accept. Alright, we talked a little bit about the struggle. Let's talk a little bit now about the standard. The standard, John 13 and 34, Jesus said, A new commandment, a commandment I give to you, love people like I have loved you. Amen. See, Jesus is the standard for love. Amen. He set the standard and he set the standard high. Pastor, what is the what is the standard for love that Jesus set? Well, first of all, it's unconditional. Amen. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that, that whosoever would believe upon Him would not have to perish but have everlasting life. God's love for man is unconditional. It's not based on who we are, but it's based on who He is. And the Bible says that God is love. God's love is not based upon what we do for Him. It's based upon what He did for us. So who does God love? He loves everybody. God so loved the world, the entire world, the whole world. God loves everybody. Who did Jesus die for? Everybody. Whosoever would believe upon Him would not have to perish, but would have everlasting life. So I ask you this morning, who should we love? Who should we accept? Who should we open our arms to? Jesus set the standard for love. It's, it's unmeasurable. Oh, Ephesians 3 verse 18 and 19 says, The love of Christ is too high, too deep, too wide, and too long to measure. 
Let me suggest to you that his love is so high that it overshadows all other loves. Oh, it is so deep that it can reach into the very lowest sinner. It is so wide, oh, that it includes everyone everywhere. It is so long, friend, that it lasts for eternity. Jesus set the standard for love. It's unfailing. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 23. God's compassions never fail. They are new every single morning. Let me tell you friend. There is absolutely nothing that you can do to stop Jesus from loving you. It doesn't matter what you do this morning. You will never be able to stop the Lord from from loving you. Because His love is unfailing. Now, now hear me this morning. I, I did not say that we could not anger God. I, I did not say that we could not disappoint God. I did not say that God would not judge or discipline us. But let me tell you, friend, no matter what we do, His love for us will never fail. He will never run out of love for us. Jesus said, love one another. How? As I. I've set the standard for love, Jesus said. This is the standard. I've set the bar. And this is what I expect out of you, Jesus said. Love others like I have loved you. So I ask you this morning, oh, oh, why does our love for each other fail so often? Why? Why are we so quick to run out of love? Jesus set the standard for love. We suggest that it's unequaled. Unequaled. John 15 and 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Man loves to say, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus said, don't just do as I say, do as I did. And the world asked Jesus, Jesus, how much do you love us? And Jesus laid down on the cross. And Jesus said, I love you this much. All right, we've talked about the struggle. We've talked about the standard. Now, let's talk a little bit about the striving. Philippians chapter 3. And verse 12. Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse 12. Philippians 3 and 12. It's here. Paul writes, and he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but he said, I press on. I what? Paul said, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to press on. I'm going to strive. He said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, he said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, he said, I forget those things that are behind, I reach forward to those things that are ahead, and I press toward the goal, or I continually strive. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friend, although we may never ever reach the standard of love that Jesus set, yet we should still strive diligently to do so. Let me 
just give you four suggestions this morning on how, how to love. First of all, we ought to love by decision. If we're going to love the unlovable, it's going to come only one way, and that is we just make up our mind we're going to love them. Pastor, I don't love my wife anymore. Well, start loving her. Love is a decision. Love is more than an emotion. It's a decision. Friend, if you're waiting for bells to go off in your heart, if you're waiting for goosebumps to pop out on your back before you love, you might be waiting a long time. A little over 21 years ago now, I made a, a new commitment in my life and in my ministry. After 19 years of full-time ministry, I drew a line in the sand, I looked things over, I, I made a brand new commitment. And the commitment that I made 21 years ago, the new commitment, it was not to preach better sermons. I don't think it's possible, actually, you know. <laughs> Just kidding, come on. Little truth and all kidding though. Hmm? <laughs> My commitment was not to preach better sermons. I, I didn't make a commitment to become a better administrator. I, I didn't make a new commitment to, to get more education. 21 years ago, I made a, a conscious decision. I, I made a, a commitment to love people like I had never loved people before. It wasn't that I... I didn't already love people. But I wanted to go to a whole new level of love. Amen. And so I committed to love people unconditionally. Oh, to love people whether they love me or not. To love by decision. If they were people, I would love them. You know, today the church is being told that in order for it to be successful in this new modern era, it's got to look a certain way. It's got to act a certain way. It's got to present itself in a certain way. And if you don't do it, you're just not going to make it. That's what we're told today. Let me tell you that I, I, I do believe that the church should be as relevant as possible without compromising its message. But let me tell you that I still believe that the most important quality of a church, besides its message, is loving Amen. and accepting Amen. people. Yes. You see, people will look over a lot of stuff if they know they are truly and genuinely loved. They'll forgive us for a lot of things. And they'll drive by churches that are cooler than ours. And the list goes on and on. They'll drive by. And keep coming. If we sincerely and genuinely love unconditionally. So I want to challenge all of us today. Love by decision. Make the decision. I'm going to love people unconditionally. 
And when people walk through the doors of the grace place, they will receive unconditional love because we are going to love by decision and not just by emotion. Number two, love by debt. Love by debt. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9 through 11. Paul writes, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Not fornicators. Not idolaters. Not adulterers. Not homosexuals. Not sodomites. Not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, not revilers, not extortioners. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, uh, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our Paul lists here some pretty ugly and disgusting types of sinners. And Paul says, don't let anybody fool you. These types of sinners will not be found in heaven. But then Paul adds this phrase like a quick jab. (laughs) That just seemingly comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Oh, verse 11, and he said, and such were some of you. Oh, hear me this morning, church. Oh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's not one, not a single one that does good. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us have failed God. Paul said in verse 11, And such were some of you, but, 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 you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Oh, I ask you this morning, how can we love the ungodly and the uncouth, the unpleasant and the unusual? We'll love by death. We'll love by remembering who and where and what we were before Jesus saved us. And such were some of us. Actually, such were all of us. Because, friend, whether you were a bad sinner or not very good at it, I said it doesn't matter if you were a bad sinner you weren't very good at it. We were all sinners. And so friend, before we look down our long pious better than thou goody two shoes nose at the people that for where they are in their life we better first take a look back and remember where we were before the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed us from all of our sin. Or maybe we need to take a little bit of a look forward and see where you could be and where I could be and where we could be today. But for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the the grace of God, there go I. Talking about the striving right now. Strive to love like Jesus loved. Love by decision, love by debt, love by by demonstration. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, do not love in words only, but in your deeds as well. Friend, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Slogans 
or a dime a dozen. All you got to do is get on the internet and you can get them. Did I find mine there? No. But they're there and they're a dime a dozen. It doesn't take much effort to say that we're the grace place. We're caring people. Care for people. Not hard to say. Anybody that can memorize or read can say that. Friend, time will tell whether this becomes our DNA or if it's just a name and a slogan. Because true love is demonstrated. True love is proven through our actions. Friend, God didn't just look down from heaven while He sat on His golden throne. He didn't just see the mess that man had made of things. He didn't just cup His hands and yell down to planet earth and say, say, Hey guys, sorry you're in such a sad shape. Sorry for the mess. Oh, you guys are in Hey, I love you guys down there. No, God loved by demonstration. God loved through His actions. Oh, God literally came down to planet earth and became one of us. Oh, God rolled up His sleeves and got His hands dirty. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrated His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet unlovable, He loved us. Gave Himself for us. Jesus proved his love through demonstration. Oh, when the leper broke the law by approaching Jesus instead of crying out, unclean, 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 I'm unclean. And it was the law and he was leprous. Oh, and he was contagious. And the law said he had to warn anybody close by. Leper, leper, unclean, unclean, unclean. When the leper broke the law by approaching Jesus instead of crying unclean, Jesus did not avoid him, nor did he have him stoned, though it was his right to do so. But Jesus, the Bible said, reached out and touched him. Loving by demonstration. And when the Samaritan woman went to draw water, only when she knew that nobody else would be at the well, She chose a time when no one would be there because she'd become an outcast to society. But Jesus made a special trip to the well. Going out of his way in order to minister to her, Jesus loving by demonstration. And then love by desire. Friend, the only way that you and I are going to conquer our struggle and the only way that our striving is going to be successful is if we have a genuine desire to love. And the only way that we as humans can have a genuine desire to love the unlovable is if God places the desire in our hearts. The Bible says God gives us the desires of our heart. We like to take that scripture and say I can have anything and everything I want to because God gives me my desires no I believe it means God wants to give you your desires he don't want to just give you what you want he wants to he wants to tell you what you need to want he wants to change your wanter 
He gives, the, he gives you the desires of your heart. And that's what I pray almost every day. God, put your desires in my heart. Because I know my, des- my desires will get me in trouble. It'll get me in debt. <laughs> you know, it'll get me. I, well, I'll stop right there. <laughs> my desires will get me in trouble. Not all of them, but some of them would. So I pray, God, I, don't give me what I just des- Put your desire in my heart. Let me desire what you want me to desire. Amen. And the only way that we're going to conquer the struggle of loving uh, unlovable people is if, we, is if we let God put a desire in our heart to love them. So pray and ask God to give you a heart of love. Ask God to increase your capacity to love. Ask God to help you love like He loves. And while you're praying, ask God to take out of your heart what doesn't belong there. Like prejudice. Let me just tell you, if you're prejudiced, you're not going to fare well in this church. <laughs> Amen. You're not. Ain't going to work good here. If you're prejudiced, ask God. God, take prejudice out of my heart. Maybe it's prejudice against a certain race. Can I go out on a limb here because you all know that I love you? But it's not just white people that have prejudice. We think about prejudice and all we think about is the white boy, you know, having a prejudice against the black or the Hispanic. Listen, that's not where it stops. We all have our prejudice. It might be, might be prejudice against people that are, that are not of your social or economic level. It might be that you have a prejudice against somebody's political party. Hello? Love by desire. Ask God to increase your desire to love people unconditionally. We've been talking about loving the unlovable. It's not hard to love the lovable. It's not hard to love those that look and act and think just like we do. Oh, it's quite another thing to love the unlovable. Let's talk about one last thing this morning. Let's talk about The strength. John 15 and 5, Jesus said, without me, (laughs) you're toast. That's what he said. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nada. (laughs) Contrast that with Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ. Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. Paul said, with you, Lord, we can do anything. How do you love the unlovable? Only through the love of Christ can we love the unlovable. But the good news is this morning, through the love of Christ, we can. A teenage boy broke his parents' heart Drinking and doing drugs. True story. One morning at 3 a.m., the the parents heard their son stumble into the house, fall on his bed and pass out, drunk. The father watched as his wife got out of bed. A few moments later, the father arose to look for his wife. 
He went into the kitchen expecting his wife to be in the kitchen sobbing and crying. When he finally found her, he discovered her in their son's bedroom. She was kneeling down beside the bed of her son who was drunk and passed out. And the husband watched as his wife, the mother of the son, Stroked. Stroked the hair of a drunk son. And he said to his wife, What are you doing? And she simply replied, He won't let me love him. When he's awake. I don't know about you, but my first instinct is not to stroke his hair. My first instinct is to pull out every hair on his head. And jerk him around the room and jerk him out of his drunkenness. Just honest, guys. Aren't you glad this morning? You and I today are here today for one reason and one reason alone. And that's because God was willing to love the unlovable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the percentage is, but probably over half of this world is full of people. On the surface, they're unlovable. It's a struggle. But I believe God has chosen us. He's picked us. I'm not saying we're the only one. We're not. I hate it when preachers say, we're going to take the city for God. No, you're not. My new building seats 600. There's 360,000 in Arlington. I can't take the city. That's stupid. That's arrogance. God didn't call us to take the city. But he did call us to a segment of unlovely people, whether they're down and out or up and out, that are desperately in need of grace. And I promise you, if we can actually become the grace place, God will send us the people that are wounded and beat up by this world and many from other churches that left disillusioned and disheartened, unaccepted, rejected, overlooked. God will help us pour in the oil and the wine, put on the bandages, get them up and going again for his glory. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Musicians and singers could get back in place this morning. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room today, I, I, I don't know what shape you're in today. I don't know what your situation is today. 
I, I only know what you allow me to know. I only see what you allow me to see. But God, he sees beyond the surface. The, Bi- the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And he knows your heart today, and he knows what you're going through today, and he knows what you're facing, and he knows where you're at, and he knows your situation today. If you're here today and you need the Lord, just to love on you today, you need the Lord today just to minister to you today, you need the Lord today just just to encourage you today. If I've described you today, I want you just to get out of your seat and come to the front and stand here this morning. I believe that the Lord is going to love on you today. He's going to put His arms of love and acceptance and forgiveness and mercy and grace around you today. Amen. Don't don't leave the way you came today, but leave changed. Let the Lord love on you. Let Him change you today. If I've described you, get out of your seat and come to the front this morning. Amen. The altars are open for you today. The altars are open. The altars are open. Right, maybe we need to go the other direction this morning. You're here today and you say, Pastor, wow, have you described me today? When you talk about the struggle, man, put a capital S on the word struggle for me because there's some areas where I struggle and I need God to help me. If I'm going to love the unlovable, if I'm going to actually be a person of grace, I need God's help today. If that's you this morning, I want you to come. You to come this morning. Amen. Thank you. We have one honest person in this building this morning. One. Because it ought to be every one of you. Because I guarantee you there's not a person here today that doesn't struggle in one area or another. everyone let's come in closer this morning let's just let's just love on the Lord for a little bit this morning we're a little bit early this morning and let's just spend time in his presence this morning loving on the Lord and letting the Lord love on us today everyone please make a move forward I know we can't all get all the way to the front but all of us can make a, a little move forward there's just something about moving forward there's just something about moving toward the front that just helps us Amen. We're going to play for just a couple of moments and then we're going to worship in song. But I want you to spend time right now. This is one-on-one time with you and God today. Love on the Lord today and let the Lord love on you today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
Understanding that all of us are unlovable too. So we just thank you for your help this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest with us, don't forget to turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center and have a wonderful afternoon.